Welcome to Conversations with Ask Ash. Conversations with Ask Ash focuses on people, processes, and outcomes. Ashley dives into everyday conversations around work efficiency, team productivity, and project execution. Let's get into the show. And now, your host, Ashley Schuler. Ashley Schuler. What's happening, everyone? Uh, this is a super exciting episode. If you've been tuning in to Conversations with Ask Ash, you know that we are in unpeeling the layers of the power of team and leadership development. I'm excited because this is really, truly a dynamic conversation about what it means to lead, what it means to hire, what does it mean to build a team from the ground up, and how can we as leaders, whether you are um, an entrepreneur, whether you're in a leader within your organization, you know, how can I become a better leader to other people? And so uh, I have truly one of William Mary's finest. You guys know, if you've been following the podcast for a long time, I like to have royalty on the podcast because again, this is roots. Leadership development was at the core of William and Mary. This is where I started to understand what it means to lead. So I have Crystal Clark, who is a director of employee learning and engagement at Vanderbilt University. She's in the building today, and we're going to be talking about some really interesting stuff. Her work, we're going to be talking about uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. We're going to be talking about leaders and how we should lead and also bad ways we're doing it, the good ways we should be doing it, and everything in between. <laughs> Crystal, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much for having me. So great to reconnect with you after all these years. My goodness. Yes, it's been a, a long time. It's been a long time. And um, one of the things that I really have enjoyed about watching your journey, Crystal, is the fact that I, what I've seen from you is that you really are passionate about being purposeful and intentional about literally equipping leaders wherever you are. It doesn't matter the role. It doesn't matter the occasion, whatever that it is, you know, you take it serious. And so I was looking at your, your, the personal mission statement, equip Mm -hmm. others to thrive. What does that mean? Break that down. Yeah, so I am an educator at the core of who I am, whether I'm doing that with college students or nonprofit leaders or execs, doing that with my colleagues at Vanderbilt where I work every day. Um, I know for a fact that I was put on this earth to educate people. What I know about a lot of us is that we have so much of what we need to be successful. We just need to A, become aware of it and understand how to use it effectively. My job as an educator is to provide equipping opportunities for you. Workshop, coaching, assessment, a good, difficult conversation, doing some consulting for your team or your company. I want to sort of build out a toolkit for you of things that you can take advantage of if you like to. I can't make you do anything, but I can provide opportunities for you to sort of dig into the equipment that I offer so that you can then utilize that equipment to thrive for whatever that means for you, right? I think everyone has their own yellow brick road. So you get to define for yourself what thriving is. You come to me to help sort of fill in those spaces where you may need some equipment, some tools, or any other service that I have to offer to sort of get you to where you or your team want to go. I love that. I love that. And I I see you as the bridger really of connecting these, these, these two ends, right. 
And, mm-hmm. and so I really like that a lot. Now, this is an interesting question that I want to ask because I'm, I'm always okay. <laughs> interested in, in how people either see themselves today and then also like was wait, all those years ago when you were on William Mary's campus, like, yeah. like honestly, like where were you seeing yourself <laughs> in terms of like graduation and like where you were? Because some people are like, this is exactly where I was, where I needed to be. But then it's like, nah. <laughs> Ashley, you know, I think something to know about me is that I am a first gen college student. Like, you know, so everything at William & Mary was so new to me. So I had no idea what I was going to do upon graduation when I went to William & Mary. I majored in psychology, took a random class in the sociology department and was like, oh, this seems fun. Picked up that major and then was just sitting around figuring out what am I supposed to do? Was really involved on campus, right? Got into everything that I could and realized that student affairs was a profession. And I started speaking to those people who became my mentors are now my friends and my colleagues to say like, how do I do this thing? This looks fun, (laughs) right? This looks like a great way to be. You all have helped me get through college. How do I do this for kids like me? That's all I wanted to do. And so that's how I stumbled my way into student affairs. But when I started as like an 18-year-old freshman, oh my God, Ashley, there's no way that I thought I would be on a college campus pretty much for like the rest of my life. I've never worked anywhere else. But you couldn't have told me that day that I stepped on campus that that would be the environment that I would thrive in for most of my career, um, you know, at this point. I thought I was going to be a psychologist. I thought I was going to be a psychiatrist. I thought I was going to be a teacher. Um, There were all these things, you you know, (laughs) but I ended up finding my way as a student affairs professional. And because of William & Mary and the leadership programming that we had there, I knew that leadership was a discipline, right? I went through Student Leadership Foundation. I went through Women's Leadership Program. I knew all those people. And so when I went to graduate school, I really latched on to student leadership development as my concentration. And that has kind of taken me through where I am now and really doing that for a living. I really like that a lot because those programs, like those weren't like, you couldn't just like sit up in those one-on-one classes (laughs) and thinking that you were just going to like get by like student leadership foundation and women, they were like, they, (laughs) you had like, you were there to like learn and apply. Mm -hmm. Like that was, that was no, and you had an application. Right. And I I was rejected. I was rejected from SLF the first time. Oh Lord. (laughs) And I was like, what is this? And so I remember applying again and um, did both those programs and met a ton of people, learned information that still sits with me today. Um, But those were like my first glimpse into you could learn to be a leader. You could learn to be a better leader. Um, because I'm not sure that that had been introduced to me prior to that time period. Yeah, I would I would absolutely agree with that. Some and some really key things were taught there that carried you beyond like college. Like this was really like prepping oh, for yeah. the real world, like through and yeah. through. I, re- I remember <laughs> conversations and the people. Oh, yeah, yes. through and through. 
One of the things mm-hmm. that you talked about in another podcast was talking about like something clicking and sparking because I'm always into what mm. sort of gets people to a, to to say I think this is something and I have to investigate, which was tour guides. We married tour guides, which was, okay, that was super tough. <laughs> that was, I felt, listen, I felt that was America's Next Top Model. Like, because I didn't make it. I didn't make it. I didn't make it. Like, I went in, Actually, like, I <laughs> Not America's Next Top Model. Oh, my gosh. It was so intense. And I think it's still intense. I've spoken to William & Mary students. I think it's still intense. I think we had 400 students go out for it the year that I applied. And that put me in the admissions office circuit. Right. Because if you can remember, the admissions office had all those different things that you could do. And um, my spark moment of my career was in admissions and being a spring intern and working our day for admitted students. That was the day where I was like, I want to do this for like as long and I want to feel like this for as long as possible. And I think that understanding of this is how I want to feel at work has also been a thread that continues with me today and that I try to get other people to tap into. How do you want to feel when you're at work? Like, I still remember what I felt like that day. Um, and, And that was I was like on cloud nine, Ashley. Like, I was like, I have found it. I have to do things like this. These are the things that I need to feel like I want to go to work every day. Um, And I'll never forget that internship and the people who were around me in that internship, but also (laughs) the failings of the people on my team as to why I ended up doing way more that day than I ever thought I was going to do. Right. Because (laughs) there were some gaps that day that were not filled in. And so when we showed up, it was like, oh, wait, who we have to do what? And so it was, okay, we got to do it. We have thousands of people coming. This is a huge day for the institution. So I just got to get on my feet and get into it. And I, I'm still that way today, right? Of that, okay, someone missed the mark or I missed the mark, but we have no choice but to be on right now. And I still find myself being that type of person even right now in my work. So I like that a lot because you you're you're touching on something that is key, filling in the gap, right? Mm-hmm. And that there's also was no blueprint, so to speak, about <laughs> that day. Now, and, and sure, and, and many for for you listeners, you probably have experienced like a day of admission from a mm-hmm. attendee perspective. But if you've ever been a part of the behind the scenes of that, that's a whole event in itself. So even in your work that you do, when you're talking about filling in the gap, how do leaders identify what gaps need to be filled, number one? Mm -hmm. And then what about these tough conversations to have about performance? (laughs) Oh, my God. It's a load. It's a a load. What a lead. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) part of it is that you you have to, I think, as a leader, you have to have as well-rounded of a view as possible as to whatever the task is at hand. Like how well do you understand that event or that thing that needs to happen? I'm not saying you can dot every I and cross every T, but you have to have enough of a vision of an understanding of it that if the person who is really in charge of that event gets sick that day, you got to be able to like make it happen. 
what I know as a, a positional leader of a team is that at the end of the day, it comes back to me and that's good and that's bad. That's right. True. But I don't sort of like point fingers at my teammates. You know, I'm not having an all out like war battle with them when they forget to do something. I'm the one sitting at the the big table and I'm the one who takes, you know, that first direct hit if something doesn't happen as it should. That's what I signed up for as a leader. I take that. Right. Um, I also think you have to know your people really well, <laughs> right? Like you have to know what is it that, what are the gaps on our team that I may have to nudge them a bit harder on or ask for more information on or create more follow-up on, right? I may have team members who are very big picture. They're very big picture people. This is a very detail-oriented event. As their supervisor, as their positional leader, I have to know that about them so that I can say, okay, we're going to go through A through Z today, <laughs> right? And we're going to get into these details because I love how big picture y'all are, but that means that you could forget to order the napkins or the trash cans or whatever it is, and that could totally change the outcome of this event, right? So you have to know them too. All of that, I think, is really important to help you figure out what are the gaps. I think if you have data available, you should use it. You should dig into it. Sometimes you don't. In higher ed, we're actually not that great with data all the time. Um, but if you have data available, you should use it. What are the gaps? What was missing before? What have people said about it before? How can you make sure to not recreate whatever inconvenience may have existed in the past for your customers or your clients? Performance conversations are hard. <laughs> they are not the easiest thing and they are not. Um, I think what I have found is that most people in their career never get very good feedback. Mm -hmm. Because I think lots of leaders are quite uh, nervous or anxious or they fear providing direct feedback to people. And most companies and most leaders are still in the age of, I tell you how I feel about you one time a year, <laughs> right? And that's you better right. catch it. And that's it. You know what I mean? There's not these sort of ongoing performance-based discussions that we all know should be happening. There's not very clear um, debriefs of events or assignments or tasks when we all get back together to say what went well, what didn't go well, you know, where did we lack follow through? What were the gaps? What can we do better next time? Things like that, that I think can help inform people as to how they are actually doing. I also think though, Ashley, <laughs> a lot of people ask for feedback and say they want feedback until you give it to them. Yeah. And then it's a problem. And, and then it's an issue, right? And then it's, oh my gosh, this person hates me. They're crying. They're upset. They're going to HR. They're quitting. How dare you? But you're looking at me asking me for feedback. So, <laughs> so what exactly do you want from me? So it's a very double-sided, you know, conversation that we need to think about. A, how does the leader get to a comfortable place of giving feedback? And then as someone who's on the team, how do you get comfortable with taking it? 
right? Because I, right. I think we're missing, we're missing the mark there in so many ways. And we have people saying, well, nobody ever gives me any feedback. Well, they're afraid of giving you feedback because they've seen how you sort of react when things don't go your way. Right. And so there's a lot that I think we have to figure out when it comes to performance reviews and evaluations. You know, we are using radical candor with a lot of our leaders at Vanderbilt. And that's something that seems appealing to them when they hear it. Um, And now it's just about making sure they sort of put it into practice. I was talking to a friend today and she said one of the things that really bothers her is that when people sort of offer very biting comments or very biting feedback and then go, oh my gosh, I'm just kidding. Because for her, being direct is important. It's something that she very much values. She does not see it as a problem. But what she knows is that most people in the world, especially in the South, struggle a lot with being direct, mm-hmm. right? It is it is a problem because we've been raised to be soft and to beat around the bush and, oh, well, we would never say that. And I think it's hurting a lot of people that we don't give that feedback. And it's hurting a lot of workplaces that people are not getting feedback. So, yeah, I would I would absolutely agree with um, all those points. And the fact that of the matter is, is that what I'm reading, I'm reading this book called um, um, this is a book by one of the ex Facebook employees. Um, and so oh. she's talking about uh, about leadership. Um, and so, but the makings of a manager. And so she, Mm. and so one of the things is, um, that I pulled from the book, but is establishing upfront, you know, your communication style, how, you know, how your one-on-ones are going to be set up. And I think that no matter like your industry, and I, and I know that there's, there's different types of of listeners and entrepreneurs and people who are career professionals, Mm -hmm. but I believe that establishing that upfront, you know, you know, how do you like to communicate? You know, what are some of, you know, what are some of those best practices? Are you seeing that in that space? Are people having those levels of conversation? (laughs) No, and they need to, right? Because I think one of the biggest conversations you have to have is uh, (laughs) how do you deal with conflict? Right. And, 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 conflict is not bad. It doesn't have to be bad. Conflict can be, one of the, the best things that you need to move forward in your life, in your job, on your team. But most people hear conflict and they like clench up. Nobody wants to deal with it. I think being able to talk to your team about how do you deal with it? When, when you all have a difference of opinion, right? When, when I put something forward and you're, you don't really feel too great about it, um, how, how are you talking about it, right? How do you approach it? Are you a person that you just kind of walk away from conflict? You don't want to deal with it. You'd rather just sort of, you know, let it fly. Are you someone who's going to approach it head on and sort of say what you think and what you feel and hope that you can be in a great conversation with this person? Are you someone who needs a little bit of time to, to like to process? And then like a day later, you're ready to have the conversation. So I think it is important for leaders to look at their team members and say, how do you deal with conflict? How do you deal with having difficult conversations? Um, everyone on your team is not going to communicate the same way. You have to know that. And I understand that as your team gets bigger, it can be more and more difficult to remember how everyone operates. 
But if you can, it's very important to figure out what is the best way for me to have this difference of opinion with you? What is the best way for me to offer this to you so that really you're able to respond to me? Because that's what you want. You want a dialogue. That's what you want. Let's exchange information. Let's create new levels of understanding. Let's figure out how we can both exist in this environment in the best way possible so that we can thrive and we can get things done and we can hopefully like coming to work. Right. Um, And I think that 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 conflict profiling is really important. And I don't think a lot of people do it because we get really afraid of hurting people's feelings, like really afraid. Um, And I'm not saying we shouldn't care about people's feelings. However, I do think there's a way to have some really strong conversations about how we can talk to each other and not feel like we have to nod our head and live in what Patrick Lencioni would call artificial harmony. Because I Mm. think that is more toxic than anything, that we're coming to work and smiling and acting like everything's okay. And underneath, you're just seething. That's not good for your mental or physical health. And that's going to come out in the work at some point. It's going to show up, right? Because you have people just walking around like volcanoes. So in order to set that that foundation of we are not going to all agree and that's totally fine. Let's figure out how we talk about that well with each other. I mean, that's powerful in terms of that that artificial harmony, but even in the inkling of something bubbling up, do you, you know, and this is, I think this is, this this is so critical because I'm seeing it. I've had to, to, to go through my own process of, do you address it now? Do you address it later? Am I being too sensitive? You know what I'm saying? So what, I mean, what do you, what do you do if it's like somebody does something that's like, you know, what if you see it as like, okay, I can see that being an issue in the future. Listen, I think if you can be proactive, I think it will save you so much in the long run. Because if you let things fester for too long or things start to pile up from that person's perspective, you're just in for a world of trouble. So I think sometimes you got to kind of poke for conflict. If people just look too happy, I like to stir the boat a little bit. And I know that might seem not... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but if people, if people are doing too much agreeing and too much smiling and nobody has a contrary opinion, I actually start to get quite suspicious. And so during your one-on-ones with each of your team members or during your, during your team meetings, there needs to be a conversation of what's actually happening. How is everyone doing? Maybe I'm offering some contrary opinions or some thoughts that I'm having and letting them sort of respond to it. But I, when it's too quiet and everyone's too happy, I start to worry more than if people are sort of coming out and lightly boxing around the meeting table. So I think being proactive is good because I think you have to, you have to sort of give people permission to engage in conflict sometimes. It's not everyone's natural inclination. I am a naturally, uh, I don't want to say I'm naturally, <laughs> but like if I don't like something, I'm going to tell you, right? Like my my right. supervisor knows that about me. If I don't agree, if I don't like it, if I feel like this is um, going to have sort of a, a detrimental impact on my team or myself, my leader is going to know it, hands down. 
no hold back from Crystal. You will never wonder what I am thinking. Um, and so, but there are other people who don't approach the world in that way. And so you almost have to send them an invitation to say, it is totally okay if you don't agree. It is totally okay if you don't like it. I want to hear from you. That's why I hired you. <laughs> That's why I believe in you. That's why I trust you because I need to know what's going on in your head. And I don't want you to worry about hurting my feelings, right? Uh, we are focusing this on the work, Right. And I think that's the conversation people have to have with each other. I absolutely agree. And to to make it such a focal point that it's not necessarily the as as personal as what we might take it to be in terms of right. in terms of what that that piece is. And <laughs> it just may you know what I'm saying? And we we just go there because we go out of two and then now we're at a fifty, right? And it's just and it's just it, it's it's human nature. So when in this key part, you said right at the end, that's why I hired you. Now, see, this is where yeah. we're sort of looking at <laughs> what qualities that we should be looking for and in hiring team members. Now, do Ooh. we start with mission first and then seeing and seeing how and then going to culture fit or how do how do we start <laughs> to to craft this? Oh, my gosh. Hiring is such a, a special thing and it is not easy to do. To be honest, Ashley, I like to hire people that I want to sit beside in the cafeteria. That's who I mm. like to hire. The people that apply. So I was able to hire my entire team when I you know, took this job at Vanderbilt, which is such an honor. And everyone does not get to do that. I did, I did not inherit anyone I got to hire everyone. Wow. Fantastic. Um, so for me, your resume is lovely. I know your resume is a highlight reel. It's like the Instagram of hiring. I totally understand that. Right. I really don't pay attention to your cover letter at all. That's just me. <laughs> right. So I look at, I just, I don't even know why we still do those. I'm anti cover letter. So I look at your resume, but for me, it's about, do I feel like, you get what we're trying to do here and that you can add to it. I don't necessarily, and this is going to, I don't know if this is right or not, but I want you to come in and shake up the environment that we're in. So I didn't look for people that were, you know, Vanderbilt people. I looked for people that had, I think, just a lot of great ideas to offer, a lot of great energy to offer, and that could come in and shake up what is quite a traditional place. Because we are a brand new team, totally new, out the box, all hired wow. during the pandemic, all started working remotely. I didn't meet some of them until I think, I didn't meet one woman until maybe... <laughs> I don't know, two months until like the year after I hired her because she didn't live in Nashville. Mm -hmm. Right. So I wanted, I could see with everything that was going on that we were a team that was going to come in and offer a very fresh perspective. We we're going to offer brand new energy. We And I wanted people with ideas and energy and a vision. And someone that would say, yeah, Vanderbilt seems really great. And... This is what we can do to make this place better. And I have to like you. Like, I have to want to talk to you 
and laugh with you. And I have to lead that interview going, I would love to create something with that person. That is what puts you at the top of my list. It is not all about the degree that you received. It's not all about the schools that you came from. It's that it's that thing where I'm in the room with you or I'm virtually with you and I'm like, I cannot stop thinking about that person and how great they are and the ideas they have and the energy they have. I feel like they want to do this work well. Everything else we can figure out, do I do I want to, to be near them, <laughs> right? And near That's their real. energy, right? And yes, then please come and play on our team. I absolutely want you here. Because I, so my current team, I have a man who he was working with me in student leadership development and we had and still have an incredible working relationship. He is not HR at all, Ashley. Mm. I got him from like student recreation, right? (laughs) He came over, he came over to Vanderbilt, did student leadership development, knocked it out the box. We have an amazing working relationship. And I said to my leader at the time, I want to bring him with me. And he said, do whatever you want. And so I called him and said, hey, do you want to come hang out with me in HR? He said, absolutely. He's here. He's killing it, right? I have another young woman who had taken a large amount of time off of work for family reasons, right? She was not in HR. Come on, let's hang out. Come play, right? And then I have a woman who (laughs) has way more degrees than I do. (laughs) (laughs) She just got her doctorate. She went to law school. She is really into instructional design and curriculum. She has been in school this entire time. And I said, come and hang out, right? it's, It's so much more to me than what you put on a piece of paper or the exact degree that you have or that you've done the exact things that are on this job description. Can we all get in a room and figure out how to do something amazing together? If that's the feeling that I have, then we are on the right path. And everything else, we can figure it out. We can Google it. We can go to a webinar. We can ask somebody else. We can figure it out. But is the is the energy and the brilliance there? Yes, let's foster it and let's do that together. And that's the sort of team environment that I enjoy. You know, the other young woman we had, she was on the talent side of HR. And now she's helping to run sort of our upper level leadership programs. She had never done that before. She wanted to do something different. So come on over. Like, I, so my philosophy on hiring is a little bit different. But I will tell you, Ashley, when I'm in an interview, <laughs> I know like two minutes in whether or not I want to even keep talking to you. It is really? a very quick thing. I, absolutely. And I we used to hire uh, graduate assistants in my old office. And <laughs> my team was already, they could always tell they were like, and that person is not advancing because I click off. Like I, I know immediately whether or not this is going to work immediately. No, I mean, what you said 
really resonates with me. And what I'm hearing is, is that leaders have to have vision for who you want in terms of your yeah. team and what and what and what you're looking to carry out because i i think that yeah. before we get into bringing people into our stuff into our our mm-hmm. our, our atmosphere we got to get really mm-hmm. clear on what we're doing why we're doing it and where we're headed right and and then who are the people that you need to help you go there Yes. And for me, it's more about it was more about people who had an open mind and a deep interest. Right. Like that was way more important to me because I and we still know as a team, we are the least HR team in HR. (laughs) And we know that and we own that and we're proud of that. Um, And it works. People respond to it really well as we are an HR that is continuing to rebrand itself probably like most HRs need to do, right? And so it it has been, I love hiring people. Like I love it. I love the whole process. I don't want to hire anybody anytime soon if my team listens to this, but like <laughs> I, I do love hiring people. And here's the thing. If I'm going to ever add anyone to this team, the rest of the team has to be involved in that. And what I've been seeing recently is this pattern of we're hiring leaders, but we are not introducing those leaders to the team until really late in the interview process, until almost it's too late to reverse course. And I don't, I don't understand that, Ashley. I was talking to a colleague today and, you know, she was like, yeah, we haven't met the top two candidates yet. And I'm like, what? What do you mean? Because to me, then you've pretty much said to that team, we don't really need your opinion. Right. And so it it seems to me there's an absence of loyalty or care about that team and how they're doing that you would hire someone who hasn't really met them. Um, And I think that's a huge mistake that people do all the time in hiring and maybe it's in higher ed. I don't I don't know. But it's like it blows my mind every time that happens. Every time. I think that's a, I think that's a really good take on that. This aspect of, you know, only you have like the close hold, like it's the card game. You got, you, you, you're holding the candidates so close. And then we're about to type, we're about to get that offer letter or that (laughs) phone call. And it's like, oh, by the way, we got these great people. And then there could be an issue depending on fit, culture, whatever, you know. Right. It's not fair on either side, because if I'm coming in for a leadership role, I want to meet the people that I'm going to be working with and they should want to meet me. Um, And I think we could go through the process very differently if we did that sooner. Then later on, we bring in someone and the team's like that person. uh, Absolutely not. That's not what we need. (laughs) That's not who we are. You know, we could have told you that's not how this would work. And then you end up losing incredible team members. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. So it's it's interesting thing. So what would you say in terms of like the top three, you know, um, Mm. best practices for for hiring? That leader leader should be aware of. Yeah. Listen, I I. One of the things I think that we struggle with is transparency of what a person is walking into. Ooh. 
I I am not the person to have on your hiring committee if you don't want honesty. Like I am not the one to select <laughs> because I am going to be very open about here's what's really going on. So if you want to come in here and you want to tackle this, fantastic. And we got your back. But if this is not what you're looking for, no sweat. Good luck in the rest of your process. Um, I think that we are we are not being transparent with people about what they are walking into. And that is causing great harm to fantastic professionals and to the work environment that we're in. So for me, I'm all about transparency. I know that's dangerous to some people, but that is something that I have a hard time sleeping at night if I feel like we have led a candidate down a a dishonest path with what they think about uh, our community and our campus. I I don't like that. I, I want people to know what they're walking into. That bait and switch thing, it's very dangerous. Um, and I don't like that. So that is one thing for me. The other is to make sure that whoever you're interviewing, <laughs> sometimes I think uh, candidates meet too many people, but not the right people. So when you're looking at who is who is questioning them all day long in higher ed, sometimes it's three it's it's three days of interviews. Right. I remember interviewing for, you know, a day and a half at colleges and universities. Now that it's virtual, you could be interviewing for a week with different people throughout the day on Zooms. But are you actually interviewing with the right people? Can you sort of filter and focus in? Who's interviewing these folks? Because you're asking this candidate to spend a whole lot of time interviewing with 45 people, right? That they're getting the same story each time. They're taking time out of their life to be a part of this. And they're still not meeting who they actually need to meet. So I think some of our hiring processes just need to, they just need to pull it back a notch with all these folks that you're meeting. Um, And I guess my third practice is that I... (laughs) Hiring um, processes that move too slow for me, um, they boggle my mind and also the lack of communication that we give to candidates, especially those who've made it to the top of the pile. Mm -hmm. For me personally, and I know everyone does not have the capacity to do this all the time. If you were our top three or top four, I stayed in constant communication with you to let you know where we are. We're interviewing two more people today. I promise I'll get back to you by Friday, you know, letting, I I think that that means a lot when you continue to talk to candidates and you don't let them go cold or start to wonder like what happened. So I was always very thoughtful about, I know you came in last week. We're on interviewee number three. This is where we are right now. Please let me know if you have any questions. That was really important to me. Right. Can't do that with the entire candidate pool. But for those folks that you're like, you could be the person. That's right. I want to be in better conversation and communication with you. Um, And I remember candidates saying, I know I didn't get the job, but thank you so much for the way that you communicated with me. Right. Thank you so much for treating me like a human and not like a robot. Um, And I that I took that to heart. And so I try really hard to just be very human when it comes to hiring processes. The other thing that I did the last time I hired people was that I sent them the phone interview questions before the phone interview. 
Wow. I, <laughs> um, and someone was like, oh, but you're missing the element of surprise. I don't need to surprise you. Right. If you want to take some time and to prepare and to get into your best frame of mind and offer the best of who you are, I think that's fantastic. Right. And so I don't need for you to be all anxious and nervous. And then because of that, you don't deliver a great interview, even though you are a fantastic candidate interviewing kind of just doesn't sit well with you. Everyone doesn't interview well. Doesn't mean you're going to be a bad professional. And so if I can send you these eight questions, then give me what you got. And there are some people that you knew, they sat down with those questions, Ashley, and they got into it. And there were some people that you could still tell, (laughs) even though I had sent them those questions, they had no idea what was going on. And that told me a lot (laughs) about those people. It told me a lot. I'm like, they're like, oh, that's a hard question. I'm like, I sent it to you a week ago. You know what I mean? Like, so that, that told me a lot about them as well. So those are just some of the things that I, think about when hiring people. I, you know, one of the things that she touched on earlier, I thought that was key was when we're talking about culture, knowing who mm-hmm. your team members are. And, mm-hmm. and, and it, I wasn't exposed to this really until maybe like the past <laughs> few years about there's coaching in leadership and you've taken oh, an gosh. approach in terms of like training and certain, even in your entrepreneurship um, endeavors in your business and you've, you know, you've, you've gone into that piece. Can you talk to us about this coaching aspect in inside of leadership? Mm-hmm. Why is that important? This coaching piece? Because, because you're never done, right? There's no uh, finish line at leadership development and no one ever has it all right, right? No one's ever fully formed That's as right. a leader. And depending on who you're working with, your style might work in February of 2020. It may not work anymore in February of 2022. And I think a lot of that came out throughout these past few years, <laughs> yeah. right? And so, <laughs> so I think the thing about a coach that I love is that a coach really pushes you to take action. Right. So they do go through all through like, what are the issues and what are you dealing with and what are the challenges? But a coach also helps you to figure out how are we building better habits? You know, how are we doing our homework? How are we putting those things into action and making the changes that we need to make in order to, you know, win the game or win the week or complete the task or whatever it is that you're trying to do? And I think for a lot of leaders, if you're a if you're a really good leader, you get really invested in developing the other people on your team and you completely forget about developing yourself. Mm-hmm. And part of that is you're like, I don't have time. <laughs> right? I spend my <laughs> week working with these folks. You know what I mean? I have a life outside of the office that I'm trying to have. And I, so at some point I just get tired and I'm the last person on my list. Having a coach is someone who can sort of pull you back and say, hey, I need you to get in the game, right? I need you to be on the front lines right now. We need to make sure that you are doing what you need to do to make sure that your team can thrive as well. Like it all has to sort of work together. So I think that sitting down with the leader and figuring out what are the things that you want to work on? What are the things that you want to get better at doing? What are the habits that you already have? that you can apply to what's coming next? What are some new habits that you need to build for yourself? And how can you make sure that you're carving out time 
to really work on you just as much as you would ask other people to work on them. So I think I think a lot of great leaders have coaches. You know, it is nice to talk to our upper level leadership at Vanderbilt. Many of them have coaches and people who really help them to figure out any leadership challenges that they're facing. I think that, you know, we were lucky, you know, we went to a school where we had programs where we could learn how to be a good leader. Right. And there are Mm -hmm. some people who take classes on that in college and graduate school. But I don't for a lot of people they were just promoted into something, right? Or they right. they apply for the job and they happen to get a team of 20 people. There may not have been a leadership curriculum that they have been able to be a part of. So they are learning things. Some of them like point A, oh, how do I do this? <laughs> what does it mean to lead other people? Who do I want to be as a leader? You know, people are learning that who are at very high levels. They're just now having those conversations. Um, and so I think a coach can help people to start with that education, but also making sure that they, you know, sort of maintain that education and keep keep staying relevant as a leader and keep staying aware as a leader. Um, and so I think that's where the coaching really comes in for a lot of people. Yeah, I would, I would absolutely agree. I think that's, I think it's critical. The coach has to have a coach, the leader, you know, like all of that, like having a coach <laughs> right. is, 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 is critical. Uh. So you, your role, when you're plugged into other types of teams, when in, in, in your entrepreneurship um, and you're in that space, mm-hmm. people are bringing you in because they're, what are they trying to fix? What are they, what are they seeing that they, <laughs> <laughs> it just it just depends. It's just all a mess. I, I think, you know, what we talked, um, you know, leadership is a relationship. It totally is. So anything, if I gave you a large post-it note right now and I said, tell me what are the relationship issues that you've had in your life? All of those issues could also show up at work. Every single one of them. Right. One of the biggest is there's a lack of communication or there's like miscommunication. Right. Or one of them is one of them is that you have people who are uh, they're lacking uh, motivation. Right. So there's all these different things that people come up with. Maybe it's a new team and they're developing and trying to figure out how do we work together? One of the things that we talk a lot about right now, though, is is change. How do we manage change? How do we navigate change in the face of everything that is going on around us? Um, So that's sort of the biggest topic that I've been talking to teams about at this point, um, that people are afraid of change um, or they don't know how to do it well or it's causing a lot of anxiety. So that's been a lot of the conversations that I've been having lately. That's good about change and how to deal with change. And and, mm-hmm. and is it is that more so into change in the behavior or change within companies or like like a change in the environment? It's a lot about um I think the pandemic brought on a huge change in environment as to how people work, right? Because so yes. many of us went home all of a sudden. Like I work in higher education. People don't work remotely in higher education. Your whole life is a campus. And so all of us, I mean, your whole life, that's what you work at a campus. I go to football and basketball games. I wear black and gold. Like your whole life is about this place. 
And so when we went home, you know, March 2020, and then a lot of us have not come back, Ashley. Mm. There are people who haven't been on campus for like two years, right? right? There are people who are working hybrid schedules. They're in for two days or out for three. We are hiring people from all across the country now to work at Vanderbilt who've never been on our campus. Those things didn't happen before. They didn't happen. And so I think that there's a lot of environmental shift. How do we do this on Zoom? How do we do this on Teams? Right. How does this work? I also think, Ashley, and I'm such a fan of it. I think a lot of employees found their uh, their gumption over the past two years. Right. They did some deep reflection and said, you know what? I'm not taking this anymore. So either you change or I'm leaving. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think it's a bad thing at all. Right. I think the pandemic highlighted a lot of problems. And I think it also people woke up and said, what am I doing? Why am I taking this? Right. And so there are teams who need to be coached on that because it has led to a lot of personnel overturning. You know, that bit quit and great resignation is not just a cute thing for LinkedIn. It is real and it's still happening. It is so real. And so people are still adjusting to that. We lost half our team, Crystal. Our director left. We're getting a new person next week. You know, there's all this happening in a very traditional space that people need some help on to figure out how do we rebuild this team and how do we keep moving? And also for really great leaders, how do we take care of each other in the process? Because most of us are still not back to January 2020 capacity. That's right. And was that even a good thing? And in most cases, it wasn't. Right. <laughs> right? That's, it. But, but, That's but, it. But we didn't But we didn't have the ability to say that back then. We were just on the hamster wheel of life because we thought this is what it is. And now we've seen it doesn't actually have to be that way. And what do we do about it? So that's that's the question. What do we do about it? But I like when you referenced earlier about having data and this goes into all different types of industries. Right. So if you're listening, you're an entrepreneur, you're leading a team, you're about to hire. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that I, I was really impressed with and I actually took this test as well is strength finders. Oh. I think it's just a, okay, such yeah. a powerful, such a powerful tool. Yeah. I think that is a great place to to collect that data about who you got and how to navigate <laughs> that. <laughs> yes, who you got. I think that's a great tagline for Gallup to use. So I've been using Clifton Strengths for years, right? And um, was able to become certified in it back in 2018. And so at Vanderbilt, we use it for, you know, our students but also for our employees. And we go in and we can do individual coaching and also team coaching based on that information. Self-awareness is everything, Ashley, like it's everything. Um, And for leaders on a team, positional leaders, do you know who you got around the table? It helps me so much when I am in a conversation with a colleague And they do something or say something. And I'm like, oh, my goodness, what is that? (laughs) And I can look at that data and go, 
that's what that is, right? This person has context in their top five. That means this person loves to think about what happened in the past. That's why this person's always asking me for historical data. How did we do this in 2019? Can you give me some files from back then? And for me, I'm like, can we just focus on today? But for them, that is super important. So instead of letting that annoy me or frustrate me, I'm like, you know what? Let me give you what you need. Let me give you what you need so that you can work in the way that you need to for all of us to be successful. You know, I have people on my team that are very relationship oriented people. When we have our one on ones on Zoom, we can't just get right into business. We got to (laughs) talk. We got to talk about we got to talk about real housewives. We got to talk about our families. He got a brand new dog. Like we need to talk about life. We need to go on walking one-on-ones together. We need to have a coffee date each month. Like we need to sit and be together because that's what that person needs to be successful. I have a woman who has a learner in her top five. It's her number one. If she goes to one more conference, she has to go to the conference. (laughs) She has like, but that's who she, that's who she is. And so being able to know that about them and understand that about them and then being able to cater to that and also checking myself when I'm like, what is happening right now? I can look at that data and go, this is just who they are. They're not trying to cause any issues. They're not trying to hurt anyone's feelings. You know what I mean? They're not trying to annoy me. They're just being the best of them. And as their leader, I want to honor that. I want to nurture that. Um, And I want to make sure that they know that this is a safe environment and a supportive environment really for them to be able to do that. No, I I think that's, I think that's powerful. I, I believe that if you are not utilizing these tools, you know, whether it's disc, whether it's strength finders, mm-hmm. you know, you're, we're at a disadvantage, right? And there's somehow some right. way, you know, <laughs> there should be a plan, whether it's within a 12 month period, somehow, mm-hmm. some way, finding an opportunity to say, let's, mm-hmm. let's dive into this particular test for this team so that we can right. understand like, what, what's right. happening. Yeah. Right. Just pick a tool. I, I don't care which one it is. I love Clifton Strengths, of course. You pick which one you want and dig into it. Because I think the other thing when we talked earlier about um, having difficult conversations or conflict, right, or performance reviews, having language to be able to talk about yourself and also to be able to talk about another person is really helpful. Because instead of you getting caught up on saying, you know, you spend so much time, you know, having side conversations with your colleagues and you don't get any work done. And you get Mm -hmm. to say, you know what? I know that you are a relationship domain person, right? Your top five are all in blue. You love people. That's what matters to you. So let's talk about that and about the positive impact and maybe the negative impact that that could be having on your work and on the workplace. That's a whole different conversation. It is. Yeah. And you all can understand each other based on this tool that you've invested in together. So yeah, pick something, you know, people love the Enneagram, whatever, Like, pick something that you can all dig in on and go deep into it and continue to invest in it. Yeah, no, I think that, I think that's perfect for, Mm -hmm. you know, leaders out there that are, are wondering, you know, what strategy should I have? 
in place or, or even just best practices to continue to develop their team? What would you recommend? Oh my gosh. So I think one that we talked about was that tool I think is really important. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, <laughs> what I love is that I'm the person who hired this team and sort of brought them together. What I love seeing is those moments where I remove myself from them and what they do together. Um, because they have different relationships together than I do with each of them. And I know that my presence also influences that relationship, right? And so for me, even sometimes we'll be on teams throughout the day. That's what we use to chat all day long. And somebody will say something and start a conversation. And they have this incredible, fruitful, productive conversation. And I don't say a thing, Ashley. (laughs) I don't say anything. And they get to this new level of understanding. They come up with cool ideas. They're thinking about programming. And I'm just sitting back and I get to watch it all happen. And then at the end, somebody will be like, Crystal, what do you think? I'm like, this sounds amazing, right? It sounds great. (laughs) Because I know whether I want it to or not, Ashley, if I was to get in on the beginning of that conversation, Mm -hmm. there's something that somebody might not have said. Right. Right. And so I think for a lot of leaders, it's like, let people play and have fun and talk and you don't have to be in charge of everything or doing everything. And your opinion can be the last opinion on the list. It does not have to be the first. Um, And so I really enjoyed those moments where they come together and do really cool things and I'm just like, that's great. I'm so happy I put y'all in a room together. That, that was my <laughs> contribution to this experience was making sure that you were all here together. I think the other thing is that I really like to know how they want to grow. I am under no, like, <laughs> I don't walk around thinking that these folks are going to be with me forever. And they shouldn't be with me forever. And I have high hopes for their futures beyond Vanderbilt and beyond me being their supervisor. And so I think a lot about how do you want to grow? Where do you want to be? And how can I help you get there? Right. Um, I have a colleague who's like, well, I think I kind of want to go back over to the student side, but I want to do more upper level administration. Fantastic. What are we doing right now to help you get there? Who can I introduce you to? Right. Like who can I make connections for? What conference can you go to? What are the things that you need to know and understand? Here's some committee things that are coming up. So I am very much in their. I care about their future as much as I care about their now. I think as a good supervisor, you should. And I think you actually get more. um, I don't always like to use the word loyalty, but I do think people will hang with you longer because they know that you actually care about them completely. Right. So that's really important. Yeah. That that's really important to me. I remember sitting down and saying like, what gaps have we not filled for you? I had a graduate assistant one year and he looked at me and said, Crystal, there are no gaps. We have done everything. (laughs) He's like, I am ready to go. (laughs) And he's doing great. He's a fantastic consultant at amazing company. And the other day he's like, thank you so much because I, 
I really stretched him and threw things at him and challenged him and just had this deep belief that he could do way more than he ever thought that he could. And that's how I try to treat my team, you know, because I know they're going to do way more than what they're doing right now in the world. And I want to help them to get there. And I think that that that's what you should do. When I first got hired at Vanderbilt, I had a woman whose name is Kristen. And she said, my whole goal is to make sure that you're in the yes pile for the rest of your life. Right. So whatever you want to do next, I want you to always be in the yes pile. So how can I help you? And that philosophy was quite inspiring for me. And she's right. She is like my biggest cheerleader to this day in the community, whatever I want to do. But I remember her saying that I just always want you to be in the yes pile. And so we will work to make that happen. And um, I have taken that philosophy with me that I want that for the people who work with me as well. So. I love that. I love that. And we're, listen, we're not trying to get into OT because we, you know, listen, this has been the conversation, people. We, we're not trying to go into OT. Um, okay. So the, so the last wrap up question is this. Okay. And, and I like this question because um, this is going to, it's fun. It's also going to just going to stretch you a little bit. So you get a, you get a phone call five minutes from now, you're going to get a phone call and it's, um, it's either a, a company or it's a person that you, is, uh, that you want to work with that they're just looking for advice. They're like, you know, Hey, you know, we're really trying to, you know, develop our team. We're trying to really, you know, take it to the next level, whatever the case is. Right. It's a little, little you know, it's a little broad. Right. But what, what, yeah. what is, what is that? team that you would love or that team or leader that you would love to work with? And then how how could you add value to them? How would you add value to them? Oh, wow. This is a great one. Team or leader. Oh my gosh. Do you know who I like working with? And I would love to do this more. Um, I like working with student athletes. Mm. Um. And so I like, like, I would love it. This is like a dream situation, right? So you asked me to imagine. So after I left Maryland for grad school, I worked at Duke for four years. Like, and Coach K is on his way out. So if Coach K's successor called me up and said, Crystal, I hear you're the woman for the job. (laughs) Right. We I'm coming in here. You know, Coach K has been here for decades. He's a legend. And so I want to make sure that I come into this role and I, you know, continue building this legacy and building this team here at Duke University that would like like I would probably cry. Right. And what I would want them to work on and think about is, yes, there has been a legacy built you know, what's the next level of that legacy? Like, what can this keep looking like? And what is the legacy that Duke basketball needs for sort of the new world that we're in? I also think that, and I love my Blue Devils, but we still have some rebranding that we need to do. And so I also (laughs) want to help them with that as well. Um, And also thinking about, you know, when you bring in all those like talented you know, these are like world-class performers, right? These athletes, how are you making sure that they know each other well on and off the court so that they are able to really, um, I think, help each other fully as men develop well, not just 
by doing what they do on the court, but what they do in the classroom and what they do on the community, in the community. Um, and so I think that that would be like a dream job for me. Yeah. That's and I beautiful. think student athlete, I am a, I'm a, I love watching like sports documentaries and things because I think that so many of our most popular athletes, our most talented athletes, they've been through quite a great deal of adversity. And so thinking about how do we help them to persevere through that and sort of use what they've been through for good, like how can they sort of thrive through what has happened to them and not let that, if it does, sometimes impede the true success that they could have if they sort of understood how to work through all the levels of that. Because I, I love watching things like that on ESPN and yeah, I love it those so are good much. Ones. I love Man. it so much. Yeah. I love it. I, I hope you get it. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be, I think it would be outstanding. I love it. I love it. Oh my gosh. gosh. Where can people find you? Where can people want to get in touch with you? I know they do. I know they will. Yeah. want to get in touch with you about ways to make their team better and leadership development. Mm -hmm. Where can they find you? Yes. So I am on LinkedIn at Crystal N. Clark. N as in Nicole. Nicole is my middle name. Um, like a lot of other people, like a lot of people. Um, I am on Instagram at, at Crystal N. Clark. Um, and you can also email me at my company's name, Equip2Thrive at gmail.com. Um, and that's where you can find me. I check all those things all day long. Probably too much, but I checked them. <laughs> I love that. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Crystal, for being on the podcast. This has been exciting. Um, there were there was there were some topics, folks. We're gonna be transparent. We didn't even get to all of them. So we're gonna have to. I know. We, we we got bonus episode material. We we ready. A sequel. We're gonna need a sequel. <laughs> we gotta do the sequel. Um, but I'm excited um, just for all, everything that Crystal's doing. Uh, and I'm just excited about all the work that is to come. And so this is another episode of Conversations with Ask Ash. Thanks for hanging out. And we'll see you next time. Make sure you share this episode with three friends. And we'll talk soon. Thank you. Be sure to subscribe, leave a five-star review, and follow Ashley on social media at Ashley Schuler underscore. That's A-S-H-L-E-Y-S-H-U-L-E-R underscore.